My name is Kelsey, but you can call me Kels, and you are listening to the Queer in Alberta podcast. What's your story? What's your sign? It's like we're twin flames in a different life. Welcome back to another episode of Queer in Alberta, the podcast where I talk to 2S LGBTQIA plus Albertans to share their stories. If you are new here, my name is Kelsey, but you can call me Kels. I am a queer Filipina Canadian and I use she, her pronouns, and I live here on Treaty 7 territory in the city of Lethbridge, Alberta. Before we get any farther, we do like to always make a mention and reminder to the fact that the views and opinions expressed in episodes of Queer in Alberta should not be taken as representative or indicative of the entire 2S LGBTQIA community. Really, these are the opinions of myself and the folks that I am lucky enough to be in conversation with, so I always like to make sure we have that little disclaimer. If you have been following along with the podcast, you will know that we have been rolling out the episodes that I made for Tell a Story Hive. There is a whole separate season of Queer in Alberta that premiered on TELUS Optic TV nationally across Canada in September. I had finished filming all of the episodes that I had planned when I was making season one for Optic TV when I got an email from two individuals who were representing a larger queer organization in Calgary. As soon as I read the email and heard about their passion, as well as what the organization they were representing stands for, I knew that I had to make time for them to get them onto Optic TV. In this episode, you get to hear from Shanine and Pavina, two medical professionals who are working with and representing Stonewall Recovery Center. Now, this is an organization that is made by queer people for queer people and is the first addictions treatment center specifically targeting and serving 2S LGBTQI plus folks in Canada. Stonewall Recovery Center really seeks to address those needs, and I am so pleased that they reached out to me and so happy to present this final bonus episode of Queer in Alberta Season 1 for TELUS Optic TV featuring Shanine and Pavina, who are speaking about Stonewall Recovery Center. One of the things that I think immediately stands out to anybody who hears about your project is the fact that this is a first in Canada. What's your story? What's your sign? It's like we're twin flames in a different life. So my name is Shanine. Uh, I'm a registered nurse and um, living and working in Calgary. Um, I spent a lot of my career um, working in hospital and labor and delivery, and it kind of didn't really feel like it resonated with me too much. So um, I kind of moved to the mental health field. So right now I'm in community mental health and uh, working with um, those who are vulnerable, who suffer from addictions and those kind of things. And uh, I'm Pavina. I'm an advanced care paramedic working and living in Calgary. My career is kind of been primarily with the uh, with the vulnerable populations in Calgary uh, facing homelessness and addictions. We're really excited for the Stonewall Project. It, uh, it uh, presents a holistic view on healing. A lot of people are really excited about this project. I've started doing some work with um, non-for-profits like It Gets Better Canada, and when I told them that I was having you folks on the podcast, they got really excited because they're familiar <laughs> with your work. So feel good awesome. about that. You're already getting the word yeah, out there. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It is good to hear that people are, um, you know, hearing about the project and um, mm-hmm. hopefully that will, you know, motivate them to 
contribute even we have a GoFundMe page that can help us um. one of the things that I think immediately stands out to anybody who hears about your project is the fact that this is a first in Canada can you talk a little bit about that it must be both an exciting and daunting journey to be the first it really is yeah we um us and the, and the team that we work with, um, Stephen Archambault and Brittany Sawyer, they're actually the, the brains behind this operation. I guess they had um, kind of looked at the addiction treatment kind of area and noticed that there was a huge gap. They encountered mm -hmm. a trans woman who had the, the choice of do I go to a male-only treatment center or a female-only or a mixed or, or where do I fit in? So they kind of saw that gap and, and they wanted to fill it. And a lot of uh, treatment centers, they say that they're LGBTQ, two-spirit, friendly um, and then once you actually look into it they don't actually have specific programs tailored to them so mm -hmm. yeah it's been like a it's been a 10-year process with uh with Brittany and steven so um we're even honored just to be be volunteering with them right now so it's it's been amazing and uh, yeah it's 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 gonna fill a lot of gaps that we need in our system for sure i'm still just blown away 10 years 10 years in the main yeah. <laughs> started out with just a, a small idea and uh, kind of evolved and grown into something mm -hmm. incredible yeah 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 well you know I as a queer person myself I so see the need for it talking about kind of the disproportionate needs in health and how some people you know whether they're a minority or marginalized population don't feel like they can be fully transparent with their healthcare provider I even feel that on just such a basic level as a woman one of the barriers that we've recently come across was that uh, you know most people if they go to a therapist or something it's handling one problem at a time right yeah. and uh, hopefully Stonewall will be a, a program where we can handle multiple things at a time. It's going to be very refreshing just to have a, a whole wraparound holistic program. That, the, out of the total population in Canada, 9% are homeless. And out of the 9% of the, that population, 30% are queer and 30% are Indigenous. So like 60% of the homeless population makes up the Indigenous and queer population, right? So right there identifies the needs that, you know, we we need help in that in that area for sure. With healthcare and, and mental health care in general, um, people who who are not, you know, cisgendered, or they, there's a lot of things that they, you know, if they're going to a queer safe space, oftentimes it's a bar. So it does lead to addiction um, and also social isolation untreated mental health conditions, untreated chronic conditions, even, you know, people, they notice symptoms and they don't go to the doctor because they might not feel safe. They might feel pressure that they have to educate their doctor and educate all the staff. And it just comes with a lot of extra weight when you really just want, you know, to go to an office to be listened to. And, and that's not always a guarantee. Oh my goodness, this is resonating just on so many levels. And I think I'm just kind of having this like boom moment because so much of what you're speaking about, I've heard echoed in the interviews that I've done. You know, queer yeah. folks in the province that really lament that aspect of only being able to have queer spaces be so consolidated in like alcohol centric spaces. And it so yeah. makes sense that it could be this kind of roadmap to addiction, like you're saying. Specifically in Calgary, there was a there was an article that came out on the news just about how, you know, are the, like the queer safe spaces are closing down like a lot of them aren't aren't here anymore yeah. and most of them are bars unfortunately one of the big focuses for stonewall is that is that community and inclusion right and you know making a community and choosing your own family and having yeah. a say in your own treatment and your own therapy what's so refreshing about this is that there's not one way to do this you know usually with therapies you go in for a 12 step you go in for 90 days you're in and out you get your chip you're done with this it's it's so many 
psychoeducational programs, it's it's life skills, it's wraparound care. It's that's something that's been embedded in, you know, Canadian statistics forever is, you know, if you're doing a census, it's male, female. Yes. And then sometimes, sometimes there's male, female, and then uh, intersex. And, and those are the only options. So, um, like... yeah, there, there's a huge <laughs> so, um, there's actually a company, I think it's Toronto based, it's called Transpulse. And they actually did a study specifically for, um, you know, trans and on the binary um, sexuality and gender. Um, so they actually have data specifically for that. Canadian statistics don't often include people who are, you know, closeted or who don't feel comfortable mm-hmm. expressing. If you're not counted, you don't count. So um, mm-hmm. like really like wanting to create those safe spaces for people, not just in bars, but in, in community and in friendship groups and in other social circles. Right. And even having, um, you know, sharing support circles, that kind of thing would really, you know, help people feel comfortable in expressing their needs and expressing what they feel like they need from their healthcare and their government. So mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, like that's, that's what we're here for, right? We're, we're here to advocate for that. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah. People are hungry for community. They are hungry for safety and acceptance in especially a medical and care pro- uh, provider capacity. We're talking about the intricacies of queer identity and how that affects your relationship with your healthcare provider. It's even further so when you have additional intersections like, say, race or ethnicity. How does Stonewall Recovery kind of see a vision for an intersectional lens of healthcare? One of their biggest slogans right now is nothing about me without me. So anything that's revolving your care, their care, you're going to be a part of or they're going to be a part of, right? So yeah, a lot of treatment programs that you go to, um, they're just treating the addiction. Um, they're not looking at your identity, you know, your your, your confidence, your your look on yourself. So if you're just focusing on the problems, then you're ignoring all the other things that might have contributed to that problem in the first place. So if you look at somebody holistically, you're looking at mind, body, soul, you're looking at, you know, trying to heal in, in every way um, and using community mm-hmm. for that as well. So strength-based, resilience-based, um, looking at, you know, your skills and what you're, you're good at to kind of yeah. know, bring, bring people up a little bit. What are some of the programs that you're going to have coming up that'll be more, I guess, readily accessible that exemplify that mission? The things that um, they're planning to do in the intake process is for someone to really look at their own identity, um, because in order to go through a treatment process, you have to start with with a, like a clear idea of you know who you are and what you want to achieve um, through your treatment process. So one of the things that they wanted to do is help somebody create their own flag, um, you know, look at their wow. own identity, um, even if they can't label it. Um, like just put it out in in image form or, or just some sort of creative way to kind of really start the process with a firm idea of maybe who they are or maybe if they don't really know like okay now I need to kind of figure this out as I go through treatment process so we can't tell you you know what your specific needs are so the client is going to be able to kind of help tell us mm-hmm. yeah and one of the one of the biggest differences is that like our intake class like you said is very in- intense well not intense but it's uh thorough. what's the word yeah <laughs> thorough I guess yeah they're only like, yeah, so it's like a three-day intake, right? Usually when you go to a treatment facility, it's you go and then the same day you have like three therapy sessions in the same day. And then like you're sharing a room with someone, like you really have no no advocacy. In this program, you're going to have, you know, your own room, your own bathroom, like you're going to have your own space. It's such a juxtaposition being based here in Alberta, often known as the Texas of Canada. Can you tell yeah, me exactly. a little bit about how that feels? It's obviously very exciting, uh, but it's also a little bit um, not I don't know what the right word for it is, not ominous or scary or anything like that. But mm-hmm. like, you know, we've had like a lot of like protests happen lately and, you know, yes. like um, drag performers and in, in libraries can't be 
like you know have have been canceled lately um it just highlights the need for this really like and like our passions my passion's going up every single day <laughs> when i share articles like that because i'm like okay wait you know like we need to start changing the mindset of people and you know mm-hmm. um start showing that this is this is this is not a problem healing people this is bringing everyone as one you know like it's there's no need for for discrimination and People will avoid going to into social settings um, for fear of, you know, being identified as queer. So, yeah, there is that fear of violence in going to a regular treatment center. One of the cool things about Stonewall as well is that the healing will be done in um, um, in cohorts. So, according to your age group, like for example, eight, eighteen and twenty-four, like your brain hasn't fully developed yet. So, you know, like like to like to heal together with those people will be very beneficial, and then to have the mm-hmm. next cohort with those age groups together. So, again, building that community and you know recognizing peer support and recognizing that there's a huge need for that. I'm proud of Alberta, um, you know, for being such a conservative province and um, mm-hmm. for having such a big community that, you know, is working towards this project is very inspiring. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, the hate is there. The hate is is loud. And, and it's sad that sometimes that, you know, the love and the, you know, the positivity is sometimes a little bit silenced by that. But we know it's there. So, you know, we are not going to feed into the hate or negativity. I'm not oh, trying yeah. not to look at too many comments and, and things yeah. like that on queer articles because there are there is a lot of hate. And, and we've noticed that, you know, news um, news outlets are, are blocking comments on, on queer posts, which is sad because you want to hear the, the positivity as well. You want to hear people, you know, commending queer projects and, and you know, mm-hmm. the queer and, uh, in the culture. So to, to have even the, the, you know, the good feedback silence is kind of sad, but... Um, Hopefully, you know, the love gets a little bit louder. Yeah, love will always prevail. We know that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. How could it not? As a, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, major cheese. But like, like I so like, for example, I don't have any social media. So like, I'm very particular about what I look online for, right? Mm-hmm. And like, it is like, it is very easy to like go down the hate group, right? Just start reading oh. the comments and, you know, start like, start just like, uh, like absorbing their, their fears yeah. and projections, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah, but yeah, it's uh, if you just if you just find other people, right, that that are on the same on the same page, then there's yeah, nothing but love. Especially for young people, right? Um, and um, oftentimes, you know, young people can be placed out of their homes um, because of you know their sexuality or their gender identity. That's just a whole other layer of, of trauma to heal and support to provide. Even me, I've been feeling that internalized fear a little bit with how things are in our community and in our province with that loud voice of hate. And it's made me a little nervous to release our stories for fear of backlash and everybody suddenly knowing that I'm this gay anthropologist in Lethbridge. But to hear your excitement and just how it truly fills every word that you say, it reminds me of why this work is so important and especially important right now. You remind me that despite the stereotypes and something that's been a theme of this series is that despite it all and what anyone else may say about Albertans, we are strong, we are vibrant, we are resilient, and we are gay as f***. Yes. Oh, super gay. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I really want to get to the heart of who Shanine and Pavina are. I know about your professional careers. I know about your motivations. But as Albertans doing this work, that's really important that people know who you are. We've been together for we're going on two years. Um, we met. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually uh, I'm from Fort McMurray, so I'm from Northern Alberta. Um, and kind of when I was growing up, uh, there wasn't like a visible queer community to me just be, mm-hmm. because of my family circles and social circles so not to say it didn't exist but it didn't it wasn't in my kind of radar so um 
when I kind of did discover, you know, my queerness, it was when I moved to Calgary. I got exposed to different people, different things, different communities, um, and really just kind of like looked at myself and kind of looked at my own identity. I, I still don't really have any labels or anything like that, but I'm kind of still, I'm still learning. And mm-hmm. yeah. as long as you're happy, you're happy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> Stressing. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I was born and raised in Edmonton. Um, yeah, I was honestly very blessed growing up. I had a super supportive family. Um, I was a tomboy my whole life growing up. My family used to call me a hybrid. So like, it was just, you know, <laughs> yeah. So like, I was, I was one of, honestly, I was one of the one I was super, super lucky. Um, coming out to my family was really easy. Everyone was super supportive. But, uh, but yeah, still though, even, even with the way the culture was back then, or, you know, we, like schooling was and society was, you know, it wasn't, um, I didn't feel comfortable acting on it, right, when I was in Edmonton. So um, I didn't really explore that side of myself until um, until after high school. And I, I knew my whole life anyways, right? But still it just shows like how, you know, the movies we watch, the culture we have around us, the, mm-hmm. the when we go to school, right? It's, um, it's uh, yeah, it's just very different now, which is very good. Like uh, when I when I told my nieces and nephews, they were just confused as to why I was even telling them, right? So I was like, "That's just so that's like heartwarming that like, okay, this is not an issue, you know? It's not a thing when you guys are growing up, which is just awesome because that means change is happening, you know? It's yeah. we're gonna get there pretty soon. So. Yeah, even in like the media and that kind of thing, like you know, nowadays the kids are seeing that people, people kids are seeing podcasts, kids are seeing movies, kids are seeing you know books and stuff like that. So that you know, prove that you don't have to fit into, you know, a box that you've been told to fit into. Right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's inspiring. It makes me happy for the next generations. Yeah, absolutely. And that's so funny, Pavina, about your nieces and nephews, because when yeah. I turned out to like my aunts and uncles, it was like dramatic telenovela, like out the window. Yeah. But when it was my little cousins, they literally just did not care. They were like, oh, yeah, all right, you're lame. Yeah. They're like, why are you stopping? Like, why are you quitting playtime mm-hmm. just to tell me this? yeah 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 but it just shows how much change has happened and you know just like 50 years even right so mm-hmm. it's um it's exciting we'll see how much change happens within the next like five years right like uh, yes and I hope it's forward change and momentum and not regression. Yeah. That's my fear with what we're seeing in the United States. But I think organizations like Stonewall Recovery are really going to be important in that fight. We're so blessed to be able to be a part of this project. And um, we're gonna, we have nothing but uh, positive intentions with it. So hopefully mm-hmm. we can heal a lot of people. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just like stuck on this one fact. I didn't realize that all three of us were Northern Alberta Gorleys. Like, oh, let's go. (laughs) I know. I grew up three and a half hours northeast of Edmonton. Yeah. It's crazy just even in Alberta, the just the change of North Alberta versus South Alberta. Like, moving to Calgary. Yeah. Especially Lethbridge. Like, I spent some time Uh in Lethbridge too. I can't even. It's so warm here. Like, what the heck? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. We're using minus 45 every day. Oh, over goodness. here, but yeah, you guys I had it way worse than I did, though. <laughs> Horrific. Yes. Yeah, Shanine is very brave to be up in Fort McMurray. I don't think I have the skin for that. <laughs> That's a good thing we all moved down here then, right? right. <laughs> We're smart about yeah. that. Yeah. And it's so funny because, like, you know, talking about moving, I don't know. It seems like you two both came out in your hometowns. No. Is that right? Um, well, yeah, like, I guess kind of. Everyone knew in my hometown anyways. <laughs> I Everybody called it. Words, but, yeah, everyone mm-hmm. knew anyways. But, yeah. I just but, yeah, started no, dating nothing. a woman and just kind of slyly came out. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Like when you were in Calgary, right? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Okay, so you and I have that similar experience then where like I didn't come out and realize who I was until I moved to Lethbridge. And I think it's pretty funny because, you know, Lethbridge is viewed as this very conservative small town, but it was like gay central for me, which gay is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've heard it called Lesbridge before. You don't have to put that in. <laughs> oh, that's going in. That's definitely yeah, couple, going in. A couple of my friends have said that before. so <laughs> That's that insanity. <laughs> I've never heard that before. You never heard that? Yeah. Never. I lived, in for, I lived in Red Deer for two years, and that's what oh, they, wow. uh, they refer to the Lesbridge. So. My girlfriend is going to love that. She's going to love that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I guess in kind of wrapping up here, are there any kind of like short-term goals versus long-term goals for Stonewall Recovery that we haven't had a chance to touch on that you maybe like to share with a larger audience? Yeah, like I've, honestly, the highlight would just be around that holistic wraparound care, community inclusion, right? Like that's those are the biggest things for bam, this, bam, this bam. program. Yeah, <laughs> you got all three of those. Yeah, that's the love. <laughs> As members of the same community, I think that all three of us understand the deep necessity for a center like this, but. One of the great things about this podcast is we have the opportunity to reach a lot of ears, including those that are from outside of our community. What would you say to maybe somebody who's from outside of the community who never knew this was an issue about why this is so important? You know, it is a different community. They have different needs. They have different struggles. They have specific um, obstacles that are just based on them being queer or them, you know, their gender identity. We're just hoping to educate people and, you know, come across as authentic and, and really hope that people see that and, and hope that they want to help work towards a project and, and kind of change those um, those issues that people are facing and they, they don't have a solution for. So hopefully they want to help mm -hmm. us make that solution possible and accessible to people. Just to be open to change, right? Like society is constantly changing, we're constantly evolving. And, you know, it's it's wild to think that in our parents' generation, if they went to a bar and were holding hands with the same sex, that they could get arrested, right? Or they could be mm -hmm. fined. Like, that is, that's insane to think about, right? So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, just being open to change and realizing that, you know, this this, this population is in need of help. And um, we can't we can't just overlook it anymore, right? It's It's been overlooked for years and years, and now it's time for change. We have the right people to do it. So it's it's happening with or without people, but we'd like people to come, right? So, so be open to change, you know, like, and know that this is for the collective healing, right? Yeah, and, and good allyship comes with a voice. Good allyship comes with action. So if, if they want to help us, you know, advocate, um, you know, for, the, for these issues and, and for the project, then I hope that, you know, we have those allies out there and, and people who are coming at this with heat. I hope that they, you know, will at least listen. If, if they have a, you know, a hateful opinion or, or you know, a biased opinion or judgmental opinion hopefully they they at least want to listen it here and they can still have their opinion afterwards but um yeah i just all that comes with a conversation right and if you're not willing to have a conversation then yeah, you can't be reached right you can't change your mind so yeah absolutely yeah, and also yeah and all those targets of the hate right and all those all those victims of, uh, victims of the hate as well right know that like that person is is in is also going through trauma as well, right? If they're if they're showing hate, you're projecting, right? In my opinion, anyways. So, you know, to just you know have a different view on that and perspective on them on those haters, right? <laughs> just know mm -hmm. that, like, you know, they're obviously going through a lot of trauma too, right? If they're not open to changing, then it's 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 only their life that they're deteriorating, right? The more that we mm -hmm. feed into the hate, right, it's causing it's causing a negative effect on us too, right? Yeah, so that's you carry that, right? Like if, if you're yeah. if you're absorbing that hate, then you have to carry it. So just let it go. Don't carry it anymore. 
Yeah. Mm. And obviously you just said then done, but with the right community, with the right people around you, right? With the right with the right therapies and everything like that, it's it's possible, right? Like we've we've been there firsthand, right? So we we know when we have the passion for it and um like I said we're we're very lucky in a lot of senses, but though we can help a lot of other people who don't who haven't had that privilege before. Yeah, thank you as thank well. You. Yeah, you're the right person to be doing what you're doing, and <laughs> and you know all of all of your achievements and accomplishments oh, prove that, right? So so we're, we're we'll be supporting you 100 yeah, we'll of the way too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. You're we're not, not that far me. A lot, yeah, a lot of affection, a lot of love today, which is yeah. nice. So thank you so much for coming on the show. And are there any last words, any last thoughts that you want to share with our queer and Alberta audience? Yeah, just um, again, thank you so much for having us on this platform. Hopefully we'll have many chats in the future. Oh my God, absolutely. Yeah. You're welcome back anytime you want. Thunder and rain, we got this. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah, we'll for sure keep in touch. Yeah. And again, thank you so much for everything you're doing. Just to be able to even have a platform to speak about all of this on is is, is so amazing, and for how how quickly you're accelerating and <laughs> going up in your in your areas is is awesome, right? It shows how much change is, is coming for us. So that'll be good. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to another episode of Queer in Alberta. I really just want to say a massive thank you to Shanine and Pavina. I hope to meet you too soon in Calgary. And I'm wishing you and Stonewall nothing but the best as you move forward and establish yourselves and provide queer Albertans with the care that they need. I can promise that there is going to be one more episode in the near future, but then my friends, I might go into a bit of hibernation as I am going to be filming on the ground new content to release nationally on Optic TV and to share with you here on the podcast. So with that being said, until you see me next, no matter where you are listening from today, whether it is in Alberta, in one of the big cities or the small towns that lay in between, or maybe somewhere else altogether, I hope you are feeling celebrated, seen, and loved for who you are today. Until next time, bye!